We have a bunch of good stuff. One more time. Praise God. Second Peter 1, 16. For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. And when he received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns, and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they spoke from God. Can you say that? Amen. Amen. Praise God. I talked to you a little bit about this Sunday. But I had to go back and read and reread the scriptures about the transfiguration. How long has it been since you read the story of the transfiguration? When Jesus was on the mount, he took Peter, James, and John with him. And suddenly, we know the, the aspects of the story. Moses and Elijah appeared with him. And they were talking, the scripture says, of his demise, of his decease, of the things that would happen just a few days ahead in Jerusalem. They talked about the cross before the cross ever happened. Hallelujah. Let me ask you, what was Elijah? What was his renown, his profession, if you will? He's a prophet. Thank you. Uh, what was Moses? He was the leader of the people of God. He was a lawgiver. But above all, what was he? He was a prophet, one of the most amazing prophets uh, that we have in recorded scripture. So um, Peter's writing these words, and He's writing to people who have a great respect for the prophets. I hope you have great respect. I know I do have great respect Amen. for the prophets. <clears throat> um, I love reading the Old Testament. I hope you never get bored with the Old Testament. Get in a modern language where it's not all the bees and the bells. And, um, the story just comes alive, and it's fascinating to see that through the story of human history, Human nature is the same. I don't care if you came from Mesopotamia or Ur of the Chaldees or anywhere around the world in the past. We're still human beings, and we all act the same, think the same in most ways, and we're in the same condition of sin. We need the grace of God. So the, the prophets spoke, and Peter's writing to people who recognize and respect the prophets, but he said, I want you guys to understand that I got an even greater appreciation for the prophets because I saw two of the greatest prophets ever lived outside of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Peter, James, John were with Jesus. Now, if you read in Matthew, 
he gives a little different account than what is recorded in Mark and a little different account than what is recorded in Luke. That's not because there's conflicts, but simply because, like any three of us, if we see a big car wreck out in the intersection of Evers and, and Callahan down there, uh, as we're driving by, you're going to remember certain things, Sister Anna. You're going to remember certain things. I'll remember a few other things. And then we get all the story together. Like, oh, I forgot that. Oh, that was cool. Did you see that? So uh, the, the writers describe the things that they saw. And Luke, uh, being told the story, he writes, I think, the most detail of what happened there on the mount. And he says that they, Jesus called the three disciples, Peter, James, and John, to go up to the mountain together. And when they went up to the mountain, guess what? They were overtaken with sleep. I don't know what time of day it was. Maybe it was right after lunch and everyone's sleepy right after lunch. Or maybe it's church time where we always get sleepy at church time. I don't know what it is about human beings getting sleepy, but you know what we do in church. <laughs> but it says that they were overcome with a deep sleep. And all of a sudden, they woke up. I think there's a spiritual application to this, friend. I believe that this world is, is in a deep slumber, just like when Jesus used the, the parable of the, the ten virgins, right? They all fell asleep. This world is asleep to what is going on around us. It's time to wake up. Hallelujah. Jesus is coming soon. They woke up. The three disciples woke up with a start. Because Jesus was no longer alone. They got up there alone with him. But all of a sudden they realized he wasn't alone. There were these two other men. These were not just spirit apparitions. God brought them from eternity. Remember Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. To us, death seems so final. Death is just... A footnote in the story of our lives, friend, because to be absent from this body is to be present with Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. So God is God's in control of all things, and you're never really dead. You may be dead in this body, this human sphere, uh, but you are not dead in God. God Amen. holds you in his hands. And God brought Moses and Elijah back to time. And they stood there, and they spoke about the cross. I remember just a few days later, Peter, James, and John saw the events of the cross happen just like Moses and Elijah talked about. He said, I have a greater appreciation, a deeper respect for the prophets because I saw them in action. It's not just reading a book anymore. I actually saw them and they Amen. spoke about the cross. Amen. Luke says, and then all of a sudden, oh, give me children's thinking about it. He said, all of a sudden, a cloud came down and surrounded them. And it says they were afraid as they entered into the cloud. When the glory of God came down on that mountain, hallelujah, the presence of God was literally so thick. It was a cloud that came down and it covered them. And when the cloud had fully engulfed them, the force of God sprang forth. And said, this is my beloved son, uh -huh. whom I am 
well pleased. Hallelujah. Amen. Just like that, the cloud lifted. And guess what? Moses and Elijah were gone back into eternity. Jesus, no longer in those robes, yeah, remember his robes were transformed to be whiter than any bleach, any fuller soap, the scripture says, could ever make it. He was, he glowed, shone with the glory of God. And then just like that, back to what we call real life. Friend, we can step out of this moment in time into a moment in eternity in God. And yes, Amy, thank you for re uh, remembering this, the, how many times in this little house right here, we have stepped into the very presence of Almighty God. Hallelujah. We've stepped out of this world, as it were, into the space of eternity because the eternal God comes and dwells with us and walks with us. Hallelujah. I'm glad I know Jesus is in this place tonight. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Peter said, because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. Amen. You must pay close attention. Anyone walk in through the kitchen, the back door area? Uh -huh. Did you see that little red machine there? Yeah. That is an evil machine. It is <laughs> terrible. <laughs> My wife and I, and eventually Kylie joined us uh, later in the evening. We spent about 20 hours combined trying to put together a red machine called a cement mixer. Thank you for that. For going and saving us and borrowing your brother's cement mixer. <laughs> After 20 hours of work, that crazy thing would even mix a half a bag of cement. Do you know what the fun part was? Well, instruction manual. And it wasn't in Chinese, but it might as well have been. <laughs> The instructions were terrible. For example, after we got the machine together following the instructions, then it says, oh, by the way, those two drum halves that you had to bolt together and get all positioned just right. Uh, we forgot to tell you, there's a rubber gasket that you have to put in between the drum halves. And you need some gasket sealer, which, by the way, we did not include in the packaging. Oh, great. <laughs> it was an experience. But you know what? We wouldn't have ever gotten the crazy it, parts were missing, parts didn't match up. We had to get creative. We finally got it working, but you know what? It would have been a crazy mess trying to get a thing together if we didn't pay close instruction to pay close attention to the instructions. As terrible as those instructions were, thank God we had some instructions. And I don't know how many times we said, yeah. I grab it and say, let me look at it. My wife grabbed it. Like, no, let me look at it. I didn't say, let me look at it. We go back and forth trying to figure. I thank God that the word of God isn't a poorly written instruction manual, friend. It is so clear. The scripture says even the intellectually disabled of the fool can walk in the wind. It's not hard to understand that God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. Hallelujah. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Friend, it's not hard to believe that God came in the form of Jesus Christ, gave himself on the cross of Calvary, and lives today, hallelujah, to redeem us from our sins. But you got to pay close attention. It matters how you pray. 
It matters that you read the Word of God. It matters that you get the understanding from the Spirit of God to understand the Word of God. A lot of things matter. Amen. Amen. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. It's getting darker in this world. Amen. And I thank God that one day soon, the day will dawn, and Christ, the morning star, will shine in our hearts. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Now, he finishes up this chapter, ties it all together. He says, above all, you must realize that no prophecy, no prophecy. No prophecy. No, not a single one came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. Men didn't sit around and cook up writings. People do that all the time in this world. There are some clever writers, there are some novelists that will keep your attention for hours on end. Uh, but then you get to there's some nefarious ones that come up, they sit around and scheme and come up with crazy things to destabilize the world, cause violence. We're seeing all that around this nation today. Amen. Prophecy did not come from human imagination or because somebody sat around and said, Hey, let's write a good story, Brother Alfred. You help me out? Let's come up with something cool and we'll get people to believe it. That's not how it happened. I gave you some stats. I'm going to go a little deeper in this tonight. I want you to have a renewed appreciation for the beauty, the authenticity, and the accuracy of the Word of God. Amen. The world tells you the Word of God is nothing. It's just a story. Um, it's, it's full of inaccuracies. It's full of uh, contradictions, they'll tell you. They'll tell you the, the Bible is cruel and it's sexist, it's misogynist, it's, it's xenophobic and all the other ist and obics and all the whatever they're throwing around. The, the, word. <laughs> the word of God is none of that. The word of God is alive. The word of God is powerful. Yes. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh-huh. Amen. Amen. Thy word have I hid in my heart, the psalmist said. Why? So that I might not sin against the you know what they're desperately seeking for a vaccine to protect against COVID-19 as important as that vaccine is brother Smith it's more important that you vaccinate your heart against sin you take the word of God it's not just a dead book you put it into your heart it will keep you from sinning it will protect you from being drawn into the snare of the devil. Word of God is amazing. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. Amen. Remember when we didn't have smartphones? Everyone has a flashlight now, right? Back in the day, I remember stumbling around in the dark when the outside light would burn out. Get home in the dark. What did I use? Ever heard of something called a pager? Yeah. <laughs> a beeper. Really dim light, but I tell you what, the darker it is, that little dim light works. Uh-huh. You get that little beeper light and you try to see where does that key go? 
God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Hallelujah. Yes. Those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit. They spoke from God. Amen. Quickly switch over to 2 Timothy, please, chapter 3. Second Timothy three, verse. I'll start with verse fourteen. Give it context. Paul writing to Timothy, "You must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know, so you know. You know they are true. For you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Verse 16 of Timothy 3 says, all Scripture, say that again, all Scripture. All Scripture, that starts with Genesis 1 and 1. That goes through Exodus and through Leviticus and through Numbers and through Deuteronomy and through all the way to Jude and finally Revelation. All scripture, every bit of it, is inspired by God. Pause there. That word is the only place in scripture that uses that word inspired. And the word inspired literally means breathed by God. Just like God fashioned man out of the dust of the earth. And he was just a really realistic looking wax dummy, dust dummy. He had no life in him until God breathed into Adam the breath of life. And when he breathed life into him, man became a living soul. That same breath of God, when Jesus was getting ready to leave this earth after his ministry, he brought his disciples together, and the scripture says he breathed on them. And he said, receive you the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. The breath of God gave them the promise that they would receive the Holy Spirit of God. And friend, on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, it says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place, one accord, gathered together, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as what? As of a rushing, mighty wind, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, friend. The breath of God actually breathed into that upper room on the day of Pentecost and filled them with the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That's how powerful the breath of God is. And that's the same breath that God breathed into the prophets and inspired them to write the scripture. By the way, the scripture is not something you put in a museum and marvel at it, but all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Thank God for the word of God. Hallelujah. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. 
God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Hallelujah. The word of God is amazing. Amen. So let me talk to you about why you can believe the word of God. Apart from just knowing it, we all know the scriptures, right? Mm -hmm. Apart from just saying, I believe the word of God is real. There are things that speak to his accuracy that, that prove just how impeccably accurate the word of God is. Let me take you to some thoughts here. Um, a couple of articles. Really, there are many, many good articles on this. I went to a couple to um, find some, some statistics, if you will. And here I am with technology. I lost my page. Come back to me. There we go. All right. The book of books. What does the Bible mean? What does Bible, that word mean? Does the Bible ever call itself a Bible? No. We call it Bible because through history it was referred to as Biblios. Biblios was a place where papyrus was produced, one of two places in the world. Our books read it out way, way, way back in the day. Papyrus. So it refers to the imprint of the first books that were published, or, or say published, that were created and inscribed on these papyrus leaves and preserved through history. So the, the word Bible in and of itself means nothing other than uh, biblios, it refers to papyrus, but also is the actual word itself also means book. And even more than just a book, it means the book of books, a collection or a library of books. Quickly, how many books are in the Bible? 66. 66 books. How many in the Old Testament? Oh, 39 in the Old. How many in you? 27. 27. Good man. God bless you. <laughs> it's a book of books. The books of the Bible, if you date, look at the dates they were written, Traced back through history, the books of the Bible were, were written by about 40 different authors from every different walk of life. You had uh, kings, you had prophets, you had priests, you had shepherds, you had name it. There's a lot of different kinds of jobs that these people held. They had no common background. They didn't even have a common language. The books of the Bible were written in Hebrew, Greek. Aramaic. The time span in which the books of the Bible were written covers a period of about 1,600 years. 1,600 years. How do you coordinate 40 different people over 1,600 years, over three different languages, people from every different walk of life, and they all tell the same story? You don't do that by human understanding. You do that by the grace and power and majesty of God. Hallelujah. God inspired scripture. Now, when the he says he inspired the scripture, he breathed scriptures uh, in the word truth into these prophets, there's been a debate for years. Some churches believe that um, 
The prophets were nothing more than stenographers. Anyone know what a stenographer is? They still have them, believe it or not. It's just different technology. Note takers, or they type what people say. Type up what people say. Court recorders. Everyone seen a court recorder? I had to give a deposition one time, and I was amazed that lady could type fast. Wow, how did you do that? Finger just flying, she's listening, she's hearing, and she's transcribing everything. And I read some of those notes afterward, and she's not only writing the words, but she's also talking about expressions on people's faces and inflections of voices. Wow. She's sitting there assimilating everything, and she's hearing words, and she's typing fast, 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 type, 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 type. Some people believe that the prophets just sat there and waited for God's voice to begin speaking, and they could hear an audible voice. And then they start writing. Right, 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 right. Oh, Lord, back up a little bit. <laughs> there are a few things that were dictated, but not everything. Yeah, I'll tell you back to the how many commandments are there? Ten. Ten. Is that all the commandments there? No. No, but those are the core, those are the basis on which all of the other commandments are built. And God. Who wrote the first tablets of stone? God did. God handed Moses some tablets of stone and said, I wrote these with my finger. I shall have no other gods. What we know is the Ten Commandments. God actually wrote them, engraved them in stone with his finger. And what does Moses go and do? He gets mad at Israel for backsliding. 40 days, they're off worshiping idols again already. And he takes the tablets and bam, throws them on the ground. Chaos ensues. People die. God's wrath is poured out. People make peace with God. They repent. God says, okay, Moses, come back up to the mountain. We got to get these words written down again. But guess what? This time, I'm not writing them. You break, you buy. <laughs> you break, you write. Your turn, you carve out some tablets of stone. And you start chiseling into those tablets of stone my words. Okay, that's dictation. That's where God delivers. And okay, Moses, you ready? Thou shalt have no other gods before. I took some time. For the most part, I don't believe it happened that way. For the most part, I believe it happened just like God says. He breathed knowledge into their hearts. When he says he breathed on them, did they feel the breath of God? No. It's talking about that transference from the invisible into our hearts and minds. If you've known God for any amount of time, you know what I'm talking about. Can't you feel the voice of God talking to you sometimes? Yes. Amen. Is it an audible voice? Usually not. But you know as if it were an audible voice. You're confident that God just spoke to you. Know what I'm talking about? Amen. If you've had that experience, you understand how God inspired people through the word of God. To write the word of God. 
But understand that as he inspired that, breathing into them, they were not parrots. If I tell a story, it's going to sound a whole lot different than if Brother John tells a story. You've heard us talk and preach, right? Does Brother John sound like me when he's preaching? Nope. That's a good thing, because we all sound the same. It sounds like one of those terrible computers that still try to talk from the telephone when you call in. I got a bad one today. It's like, oh, come on, just give me an option. Brother Ackland teaches. Does he sound different from me and from Brother John? Yes. You what? You grew up in a different place? Brother Jim, you grew up in a different place? You grew up in a different place? Different times? Different people? So, when I tell you the story of the cross, we're going to tell you the same story because we know and love from the Word of God. But it's going to sound a little different, and the, the narrative is going to be different, the delivery is going to be different, some of the details are going to be different. But if John does it, Jim, whoever, but we're telling the same story, the same truth. So God allowed people to write in their own style. He didn't say, it's got to be in these certain words. He said, here's the truth. He gave them a natural, supernatural understanding of truth mm-hmm. and allowed them to write in their own words, in their own style. Oh, yeah. Some came across sounding like shepherds. Some came across sounding like poets in the kingdoms, the halls of the kings. Some came across sounding like legislators or lawyers. Everyone's style is different, but the message they gave was the word of God. Hallelujah. And remember, what did Peter say? It never came with their own understanding. God didn't say, hey, uh, I want you to go write something about butterflies, rainbows, and sunlight. No. He gave them the truth. They understood things that they could never understand without God. And they wrote what God told them to write. 40 different writers over 1,600 years, all being inspired of God and praise God, it came out amazing. Hallelujah. <sighs> Some of the things that uh, people have tried to discredit the Bible, right? We talked, mentioned that Sunday briefly. Just remind you. Oh, there's one that um, um, people tried for many years to say that Moses didn't offer, uh, author the Pentateuch. Who can tell me what the Pentateuch is? Penta means five. Pentateuch is the collection of the first five books of the Bible: Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He said Moses couldn't have written those. You know why? Because it covers the span of time from the creation of man and the formation of all that we know is the earth through the development of nations all the way through Israel and, and Egypt and finally to the end where Moses dies at the end of his writings. How could Moses have written those books? It's impossible. They didn't have Wikipedia, let me remind you. They didn't have resources, internet to search things out. They didn't have libraries. 
And yet Moses wrote with unerring accuracy. He told us the story of creation. He told us the story of the flood. He told us the story of all of those things that happened in those early years of the history of mankind. You know why he could write that? And yes, there is absolute proof over and over. Josephus wrote about it. He, uh, pagan writers, I could try to pronounce these, Ecoteus, <laughs> Manitha, uh, Lysimachus, Eupolemus, uh, I get all tongue-tied around here. You go through the writings of the pagans through the years, and they say, yep, that man named Moses wrote those five books. How could Moses write those to cover all those details? Because God told him the story. God told him the story. You know what, Paul? Remember the man named Paul? Was his name Paul? Paul before? Saul. So, the man who persecuted the church. Mm-hmm. And one day God appeared to him on the road to Damascus. Light shone from him, knocked him to the ground, blinded him. Conversion experience. Oh, what a tremendous story of conversion. After Saul was converted, now known as Paul, he starts preaching. He's excited. He starts preaching about Jesus. You know what the churches do? They run him off, saying, this guy can't be right. He can't be real. He was just persecuting us. So the churches rejected him. And then his enemies started plotting to kill him. It wasn't a good situation. So you know what? He got up and left. And God said, why don't you go out in the desert for a while? You know what a while in the desert is? About 14 years in the desert. Saul, now Paul, went into the desert. Apparently had no contact with human beings. He lived in the desert. He subsisted how? I believe that God gave him food and water just like he did with Elijah and a few others. But the bottom line is, while Saul, now Paul, was in this desert experience, out alone, all by himself, Jesus told him the story of the Bible. Especially the story about Jesus. He told him the story of the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He told him all of these things. And by the way, he didn't just tell him those things. He also took him up into heaven itself and showed him things. Paul said, it's not not right. Humans should not see these things. But God, let me see them. And when it was time to go and start his real ministry, the first place he went was to Jerusalem and talked with those who walked with Jesus, the Peters, the Jameses, and the Johns of the world. Mm-hmm. He conferred with them. And he said, elders, I want you to tell, listen to what Jesus told me. And I want you to judge if I really was talking to Jesus. And while the elders, his apostles, his disciples, who walked with him and heard his teaching and preaching every single day, they sat there and they listened as Paul gave them every detail of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And the elders in Jerusalem were amazed. Said, you couldn't have learned this anywhere else unless you've been talking to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Paul wrote 
the predominance of the New Testament. Can we trust the writings of Paul? You better believe it, friend. This was a man who listened to the voice of God, who let the breath of God breathe into him inspiration and instruction. And for Paul, there's cases where he says, remember, uh, this is not the Holy Ghost, this is Paul. Caveat. Don't take this as scripture. It's good advice, but it's just my advice. But it's when he's done giving his Paul advice, he says, okay, now back to scripture. Let me tell you what the Holy Ghost is telling you. That's how inspiration happens. I don't believe that there is new truth being revealed today. I'm sorry. Amen. A lot of people get upset about that. I don't believe that the Bible is a book of continuing uh, revelation of the sense that we're being told new truths. I believe that the gospel and the truth about Jesus Christ was revealed in its fullness once. Yes. Amen. Apostle said that. What we're doing now is learning about that truth. Mm-hmm. And the revelation of God continues to help us understand just how glorious and beautiful the truth of the word of God is. You know what this book written over a period of 1600 years, 40 or so different authors, three different languages, every kind of uh, barrier you could think of as to being accurate and cohesive, it is still the freshest and most beautiful book ever written. Amen. Amen. It's got world-class poetry. It's got music like no other music. Amen. For the songs. It's got law. It's got history. It's got everyday living, how to live better. It's got everything in one set of collection, friend. You don't need any other collection of books. You need the Bible. You need the Word. Amen. Quickly, this movie is we're out of time. Um, prophecies, I mentioned that. I want to read this as we get ready to close here. Isaiah 42, 41 and verse 22 is what I referenced Sunday. Let them bring, let them bring them forth well, let's go there, Isaiah 14, 22. Instead of trying to read the right here, Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41, verse 21. God says, present the case for your idols, says the Lord. Let them show what they can do says the king of Israel. So he, he's challenging people who believe in idols. You believe in idols? Okay, let's have fun. Let's play a game, shall we? You bring your idols and match them up against God. Now, you bring your idols, let them make a case. Present a case for your idols. Let's show, let them show what they can do. God says, let them try to tell us what happened long ago. <laughs> so that we may consider the evidence or let them tell us what the future holds you don't need to go to Kurunderos 
Amen. You don't need to go to palm readers. You don't need to consult tarot cards. Or psychics. Amen. In fact, God hates that practice. That's right. Amen. You know why? Because it's delving into areas that we have no reason to delve into. That's right. And more often than not, if there's any knowledge gleaned from those practices, you know where it comes from? Yep. Dark spirits of evil. I said, don't go there. Amen. You want to know what's going to happen next? Go to the Word of God. Yes, amen. Tells you everything you need to know. That's right. The next step we get. Amen. Amen. Let them tell us what the future holds so we can know what's going to happen. Yes, tell us what will occur in the days ahead. Mm -hmm. Then we will know that you are God. He's mocking the idols of this world. Mm -hmm. In fact, God says, do anything, good or bad, just do something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do something that will amaze and frighten us. He says, but no, you are less than nothing. And you can do nothing. Verse 26, who told you from the beginning that this would happen? Who predicted this? Not your idols. God. You see, God sees everything that was past. Amen. He knows the present. And he knows what tomorrow is. That's right. Amen. Is he going to tell us what tomorrow holds? No, no, no. Probably not. In fact, he said, it's not given to you to know the what? The times. Or the seasons. You really don't want to know what tomorrow holds. That's right. I don't want to know what tomorrow holds. Amen. It's a surprise and a shock and a struggle when it does come. Quite waste time worrying about it ahead of time. How Jesus said, Sufficient to the day is the evil there. Just worry about today. Amen. He's got tomorrow in his hand as well. Yep. That's right. But God knows tomorrow. And when it comes to the events of this world, what we're seeing, the turmoil of this world, it's in the word of God. He told us it was going to happen. Amen. Don't mock the word of God. The word of God is going to come out on top every time. And Jesus Christ. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, just like he was able to tell about the past before, he's able to tell you about your past. That's the glorious thing when we come to Jesus Christ. When we approach his presence. While we need to confess our sins. While we need to tell him our needs. While we need to talk to him, or as we say, pray to him. He already knows everything about us. Before he opened the house, he knows every experience, he knows every success, he knows every failure, he knows every good thing you've done, he knows every sin you've ever committed, he knows it all. Amen. Because he knows the past, just like his word knows the past. He knows where you are right now. Amen. You need to tell him about it, you need to pray about it, you need to talk with Jesus. You know what? He knows already. What's in your heart before you even speak the words? He knows the path you're walking today. He Amen. knows what you're facing right now. Mm -hmm. And it's comforting to know that as much as he knows about my past and my present, equally he knows about my future. Mm -hmm. When you and I pray, we can pray with confidence. Why? Because the scriptures tell us that we can pray with confidence. And I'm telling you, the scriptures, right? I could give you 
Someday we will go through the list of prophecies, the accuracy of the prophecies to the pinpoint days and hours that Jesus Christ appeared on the donkey riding into Jerusalem. It's incredible how accurate and precise the prophecy is. Amen. But as interesting as that is, I just want to leave you this slump tonight. You can trust the word of God. You can love the word of God. You can know the word of God is right. Amen. Because it's not my word. It's his Heaven and earth shall pass away. God said, my word shall not pass away. The psalmist said, your word, O Lord, is forever established or settled in the heavens. The word of God is going nowhere, friend. The word of God will never fail. The word of God will never lead you wrong because it's the word of God. Hallelujah. And God who is the same, God who never changes. James said there's in him neither old English, right? In him neither variableness nor shadow of turning. Stand if you will, please. I was walking by here earlier, but John was sitting there, there was a light behind him, he was in the camera. But on the ground there was a shadow moving. He had his left cross, his foot was there, his foot moved, and the shadow moved. Now I see fingers in the God is so much the same, he never changes. There's not even a shadow of a hint of him changing. And because Jesus is the same, God is the same, his word is the same. And if he said he'll take care of you, he'll take care of you. If he said he'll save you, he'll save you. If he said he'll heal you, he'll still heal you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to thank God for the power, the beauty, the comfort of the word of God. Put your life, recommit your life into the hands of Jesus Christ. Know that you can trust him. Know that you can absolutely walk believing what he says. Just follow what he says. Because his word is true. He's true. It is. And he loves you more than you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.